0: Hey everybody, Scott here again. Welcome back to KC Greats. The purpose of this show, if you don't remember, is to bring you inspirational stories of people doing great things right here in Kansas City. If you've joined us before, thanks for coming back. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the amazing things going on in our city as much as I have. Today we get to hear from a friend of mine, Jay Waldenmeyer. I met Jay around six years ago when we worked out at the same gym for a while And I was privileged to help his son work on some high jump technique during his senior year of high school as well. A few months ago I got wind of an interesting new project that Jay has been working on and I thought it would be fun to share with everyone. This is a great example of how regular people can have a great idea, run with it, and make something fun happen with a new business. One of the things that holds a lot of us back from living a dream or bringing a great idea to fruition is a simple hesitation to execute. As we hear from Jay today. I want to emphasize that he's really just like the rest of us. He's a normal Casey guy. He's humble, hardworking, family-oriented, and charitable. And I hope you understand from this conversation that any of us can really do great things. It doesn't have to be about the millionaire living on the plaza making an impact because simply they have the money and connections. It can be any of us. So let's get to the show. Hey, folks, this is Scott back again for another uh, Casey Great to you. I've got someone uh, that I've known for a few years here today named Jay Waldenmeyer from the south part of town. And, Jay, how are you today? Great. Uh, sure appreciate you taking the time. Folks, I think what you're going to see here is that the person standing next to you in the line for their coffee or something is is somebody that's doing great things in Kansas City and really wildly diverse things in town. So, what's your Kansas City background? Are you native or nope. did you land no, here? No,
1: actually from Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, wife is is from Kansas, Wichita. Uh, met in college, Market University. And uh, from there, got married, and she dragged me to Kansas. And I originally landed in (laughs) Wichita, Uh, lived there two-plus years, and then moved to Kansas City.
0: Awesome. So how long have you and your family been here in KC? Twenty...
1: Let's see, since 90... i want to do the math here. Since (laughs) 94, 95. Okay. So that up. I'm not going to do it. Long enough. To clean it. So. <laughs> Time is a little irrelevant to me. My kids will attest to that. I don't. I don't know one of their birthdays. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to remember in there. So what? Uh, what brought you guys
0: back here? Was it work or work. just uh, location yep. or what? Kansas
1: City Building five We uh, we had a materials distribution company. Oh, okay. um, residential, primarily construction materials, uh, windows, millwork, cabinets, hardware. Uh, and, uh, one of our locations was Kansas city.
0: Okay. And,
1: uh, we, uh, we were growing the business here and I sort of begged, borrowed and stealed at that young age to convince family members to allow me to kind of take the role in Kansas city. And, uh, that's why we came here.
0: Awesome. So it, uh, sounds like I'm guessing you know Wichita, a great
1: town. Mm-hmm. This is
0: probably a little bit better central uh, hub to run a business
1: like that. Yeah, I, I think the reality is is Wichita is very affected by the aviation industry and certain Certainly. things. So we, um, we did have a, a great outlet there, an incredibly successful outlet in Wichita. But uh, through some of the housing challenges and aviation challenges, we elected to sell that business in Wichita several years ago. And, uh, and we have just kept a single outlet here. We actually, prior to that, had outlets in Springfield, Topeka, Tulsa, Kansas City, and Wichita. And we sold, one of our outlets was a little bit smaller, kind of a closure to to Topeka. But other than that, typically uh, we sold our operations in those markets. Centralize everything, yeah, sounds like. Good.
0: And you're still with that as kind of your primary business. Yeah, I call it my day job. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, recently, I know you've been working on a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess one you could technically call a pet project in a couple ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell us about that.
1: Well, we, have a, we started a business, a partner of mine and I, Chris Smith, who actually has been in the tech space in Kansas City for uh, several years with another business called Athlete Network. And that's where he and I actually met. Uh, but, uh, we were drinking beers one night, um, doing some brainstorming about athlete network and he brought up this concept that he had, uh, and a domain name that he owned called pawparty.com and he he had, so he had this dream that he kind of wanted to do sort of an MLM home party business, but for dogs. Right. So everyone okay. would show up with their dogs and there'd be all these cool products and people would have fun kind of <laughs> buying them or demonstrating them and so forth. So
0: dog Tupperware.
1: A little bit. OK, yeah, you got good. it. Spot good. Spot on. So um, we did some due diligence in that industry segment and found that there have been three other players in that marketplace. All of them had failed. Uh one in particular that we spoke to thought that it could be done, but they didn't really execute correctly. Was it their logistics or There was a model, host of factors?
0: Just run into things a little too fast without a good no. Because
1: the one that um, the one that kind of was the most forthright with us had done a very successful uh, um, toy MLM platform. So okay. they, she knew the the business. She knew how to build build that type of market, and, and, and she had some ideas about how to move forward on it, but we kind of abandoned that, so what we did is we we went back to the drawing board, because we still like the pet space. Pet space is huge. One of the few industries that during the 08 downturn did not turn down, so it's been growing. Uh, in every consecutive year for the last 25 years.
0: It's funny you bring that up because just uh, one of my last episodes I talked to some guys about the pet space and they were, I think their research said $54 billion a year and um, I'm, a little closely tied to this as well here in Kansas City through family, but the animal health quarter here. Absolutely. Um, especially down here in the south side of town, we've got Bear right up here on Shawnee Mission Parkway. Correct. And in a, a couple other facilities. So, yeah, this is kind of the heart of it for uh, pet. Uh, without a
1: doubt. So um, so we maneuvered around and looked at the success of some of these subscription models out there. People might be familiar with the names like Bark Box. Uh, that had become kind of in vogue, right? And so we kind of explored subscription. We actually were going to couple subscription with the model that we ended up doing and give kind of two options. Uh, But we abandoned subscription and just stuck with our primary option. We didn't want consumer confusion. So we essentially call ourselves the world's pet gift company. (laughs) And we've developed an online interactive tool. That's how we've launched online where you drag and drop products into a box similar to uh, let's say, a Build-A-Bear box that you carry yeah. out, of a, out of a Build-A-Bear store. Looks good. It's branded. Uh, with well, a dog one is a dog house. That we also cater to cats, and the cat one is sort of a fish tank with sort of a play <laughs> on the scared fish sort of concept. Well, if and it's a box, the cat's going to play with it, right? Absolutely. That's another use that we've learned <laughs> through the process that some, in some of our feedback and sessions have given us. But, so we're delivering this product, essentially, for gifting. And, and the reality is you can be buying that gift for your own pet. You can be buying that gift for a friend's pet as a housewarming, for a, someone who's adopted a new pet, um, or even as a corporate gift. Uh, and we have a wholesale program, too. We did some, some work this last Christmas with a local uh, dog daycare business and did some prepackaged things for them, about 20-plus boxes. And that customer handed the boxes out to their top daycare clients. So we have kind of that piece too. And that's a thing where, what we're really working on right now, to be honest with you, is we haven't focused on a lot of marketing with it. We haven't tried to push it a ton. We want to make sure our fulfillment is working right. Our accounting is working right. The websites and call to action are working right. And all those things. So we're toying to make sure the concept works before we try to evangelize too hard about the product. Makes sense. so yep.
0: Not not a marketing push so much. You get the minimum viable product ready. The the things functioning well logistically. Right. Now, how much of your or, or where are you guys doing fulfillment uh, products, things like that? Just we, sourcing we, everywhere. Right. Or? We
1: explored we explored fulfillment through some fulfillment operations, mm-hmm. but uh, like like I suggested, we're starting sort of lean. And so if you jump in bed with a fulfillment operation, there is a monthly commitment. So I thought, you know, why should we do that? I have space. I have 115,000 square foot warehouse in Kansas City (laughs) with some loft space. So let's find a back
0: corner. So I found
1: a a loft space in there and we keep our inventory there. And in terms of product sourcing, you know, I would see the roadmap, have us developing some of our own products and and sort of outsource manufacturing some of those products but we're starting with products that are manufactured we buy either manufactured direct or, or through distribution depending right. on the channel arrangement that those manufacturers utilize so that's how how we do it
0: so i'm assuming everything from toys to snacks to just all kinds toys uh, anything for the pet
1: try to curate it and and provide something a little more unique, you know, a little sure. more fun that you're not going to see in every store all over, but some some similar products that you may be familiar with as well. So how, how old is this
0: idea, taking it from, uh, from the, the evening beer to now, you've got stuff
1: in the space, you can order something? Well, it's probably really, taking it from that first beer is probably about three years old. Well, and that includes... We, didn't, we wanted to build our own e-commerce platform, so we literally built the website ground up. We wow. did not want, we have an interactive kind of experience that we mm-hmm. want to develop. And with sort of your typical package e-commerce pieces that are out there. Yeah, I mean, you
0: can go off of WordPress and run like Shopify or
1: whatever, everything else. But those look like conventional e-commerce stores, right? Right, it looks like everything else. Right, and we didn't want, we wanted our brand to stand out. Uh, And so we didn't want to go and utilize a conventional off-the-shelf e-commerce, where you had these products all lined up and you kind of picked them by category. Add to cart. Yeah. yeah. We had this drag and drop into the cart. We had to mobile enable it. We had, to, we had to really kind of think about how to build it. So the, that was a big chunk of that time after we did our due diligence on yeah. what model we wanted to do. Then we had to wireframe and sort of build out what we did for our web platform. And then we had to source products. and <laughs> So that product sourcing is... You know, I've been in this materials distribution business for, you know, my since 92. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you're probably... When you're in it that long, you don't realize how arduous it was to have all the products, right? To, but when to, you start the fresh, original oh yeah, yeah. It, when mean. you have to develop, and then you you may end a relationship or generate a new relationship, but that comes in the middle of already having a sure. an inventory and an offering. When you start from scratch and you say, "What are the products we're going to inject into this? How do we have enough?" to be representative, but not too much that it's confusing. It was it was a it was a little bit of a process too. But it's fun because <laughs> we got to mess around with dog toys and cat toys and and it's yeah, shocking awesome. some of the things that are out there. I mean you're like, wow, someone really invented this uh Tennis ball selfie camera thing, so you could take dog selfies wow. and have the dog actually look at the tennis ball, which was connected to your <laughs> cell phone. So what happens if they pick it up and it just is dental just a dental <laughs> run away with v- it? Dental view then? Yeah, exactly. It's, that's odd. But
0: so that's interesting. It sounds like you guys have really gone through the creation of two businesses here. In this one, you've got the the actual pet site. Things you're working on, but if you've created your own e commerce platform, I'm guessing that's something that the idea may not be shelved because you're using it, but you could take that and expand on that for other businesses or to. Yeah, other there, sites uh, there's maybe. probably
1: some transferable stuff, but technology is so rapid <laughs> that whatever we did six months ago is probably not worth Uh, It's salt as far as the technology goes, because we frankly are a a pet and family fun company. You know, we're a a delivery business. We're saying, hey, listen, we know people buy gifts for pets. Why not do it here? Why not do it here? And why not do it in a fun way that comes packaged up as opposed to running down to Petco Finding some stuff on the shelf, trying to find a package to put it in, uh, wrapping it, doing all those things. No, this thing comes deliverable, handy and fresh. And so I I would consider us less of a tech company than we are, more of a pet relationship product company. You know, Fair I enough. think that's what we well, are. People hey, I'm with I love I love our pets. Yeah. Everybody does. Unbelievable.
0: You know, it's, part of the family. They absolutely are almost more than me sometimes. But, well, that's cool, man. That's going to be a fun one, and yeah. and that has an impact on a lot of different a lot of different folks. It's not just for like you said buying your own pet a gift, but you know, say I might give a move in gift to a client. Perfect. We're always talking. We're always talking about their pets. Yeah. Um, something like that's perfect. It's and unique. It's easy.
1: It, the, you know, the, it, you can always buy flowers. You can always buy a a gift basket or something for yeah. the kitchen. But if something for that pet shows up, one, it demonstrates that you recognize they have a it's pet. personal. People yeah. said, wow, he paid attention. We had a dog or a cat and he paid attention or she paid attention. And, and it's just a unique kind of place to
0: be. It is, and I think it's the right time. Me personally, I look around, and I think people are tired of gift cards. Yeah. They're so ubiquitous and, uh, you know, it's... It's too easy sometimes. There's no thought into it uh, got for it. some uses, so that's that's really cool. That's going to be a neat niche. Yeah. So, so pop party is one, but you mentioned another thing that you've been working on for several years. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. um, that brings in some of your background, right? Uh, Athlete Network, yeah, and that's based here, here in Kansas City. Is, here in Lenexa, well. yep. you're in Lenexa. Okay. Absolutely. So what is, the, what is the, the goal with Athlete Network?
1: Well, the, you know, the foundational business was uh, started by Chris Smith. He founded the business. He's the current CEO. Um, the business really started as an employment and placement business for current and ex-collegiate athletes. Okay. So Chris, through some of his corporate uh, uh, roles, Realized, and through his athletic background, he started actually play, he playing. He was a football player in Hawaii and finished his career here in Missouri. Um, but he recognized that athletes have traits that employers want. Clearly. So that's the theorem, essentially. As you say, wait a second. Uh, employers are looking for good employees and good candidates. Um, athletes have the very traits that employers seek. So they're coachable, they're trainable, they can follow directions, they're driven, they're goal-oriented. They, they're, There's a list of about 23 things sure. you identify as sort of part of what we say is the athlete DNA, right? And sometimes athletes don't even recognize that they have this DNA, right? They just go about their business and think yeah. that, that everyone operates the same way. Uh, Yeah. And and (laughs) yeah. And there's a difference a lot of times. Not not to diminish non athletes, because they all everyone has traits that are valuable. Uh but but it's an interesting proposition. So he said, listen, with these traits, with my I talk the talk and walk the walk. I played collegiate sports, Chris did. I as well uh as you did, Scott, um (laughs) or participated in collegiate sports. Um He said, I'm gonna create an inventory of great job candidates and I'm gonna work in kind of this placement business. So he built that original business and then got it to a point where he felt uh and i'm not putting words in his mouth that it was kind of a lifestyle business you know he was he was generating a decent income but he wanted to build more of an enterprise level business not just a, a lifestyle business so he wanted to inject some technology into the platform and and through some connections of his uh we got to Chris and uh, did some angel funding uh, ourselves and a couple other people of, of this business to inject some technology. Now, we're going to jump a few steps because <laughs> there was a whole bunch of progression in, in this mix. And now... Uh, that originally actually it had a couple names, but it, one of the main ones was originally known as Career Athletes, and now we're known as okay. Athlete Network. And that was
0: that was a good time ago. I wasn't yeah, probably nice.
1: two plus years ago was when two years ago roughly was when the name changed occurred. Yeah, but he really started that business six plus six, years no, six ago. to eight years. Yeah, I remember eight years ago. Something. Okay. So so that evolution brings us now to the point where. Athlete Network has relationships with over 500 colleges and universities nationwide. Great. We have over 200,000 active members. We have uh, employer relationships with companies like Northwestern Mutual Life, Johnson & Johnson, um, very substantial uh, Fortune 500-type businesses. And they
0: they love things like that. I I actually when I, I got hired out of the military to J&J. And they love those types of um, hiring practices because, as I'm sure you know, the things you guys identify as the athlete DNA, uh, hiring has changed in the last 15 years or so for uh, industry recognizing it's not necessarily about the, the skills on the resume it's the talent, you can learn the skills.
1: Yeah, most of the employers now, I mean, unless you're in a professional trade. If you're well, an engineer or a doctor, right. obviously you, you need you got a skill set, right? <laughs> We're not going to have Jay Waldemeyer uh, going into an orthopedic operation and try to do a knee replacement. That's not going to happen. Yeah, it'd be a challenge. So, so the reality is, though, you're right. I think a lot of employers now say we need someone who's going to fit our culture. We need someone who has the traits and, and ability to learn, because we're going to teach them what we need well, to teach them
0: anyway. It's like you said about tech. You know, six months things can roll completely differently, and because of communications, technology, and everything, businesses have to flex. Pretty fast. Quickly. So, yeah. you know, the ability to, to
1: learn and do that right. is pretty important. Right. So now our platform is to a point where we, we, are, we, we kind of provide three tools in that platform. We provide employment, we provide uh, content, and we provide networking. And all those things kind of work in tandem, and they, they come at different points for athletes and individuals at different parts of their life, life cycle. So we're trying to be excellent at all three of those things, and we're trying to grow the network and scale the network and build the network. And um, this last year, we actually did a deal Um, And it's a three-year contract. We have created a sister network or a child network within our platform where the members can toggle back and forth between athlete network as a whole and this private network, and it's with the USOC. So uh, the USOC's uh, employment program is now partnered with us to do all their kind of tracking and athlete management for outplacement and employment needs for the Olympians. Well and
0: there's such unique challenges to that with their training times mm-hmm. and, and competition schedules that you've got to get an employer that really well you know that's gotta be a cultural fit to them. It's gotta be important to make that employment decision, obviously And there's varied
1: employment pieces within yeah. that though. You know there's there's during training. If I'm actually continuing to be an athlete, right? If you're Michael Phelps, you might be forever, right? Uh, But but eventually an athlete retires, right? And moves on to their next stage of athletics. And so some of these athletes are coming to the end of their... This will be their last Summer Olympics, right? And and what they now? may have to go to the re- the real world, right? And so they the, the the Olympics does a good job supporting or trying to support those athletes in those transitions, in education programs and so forth. And we're just excited to be a part of that transition. Pass. I never,
0: I guess, I never realized that the uh, USOC had had that function as well. Which... the program's called ACE. Interesting. I, I mean, that's that seems like a uh, a fair thing to do. We're asking, to me, we're asking a lot of someone to represent our country Heck yeah. uh, in these competitions.
1: And uh, I just to, actually tweeted yesterday you know, about the uh, tax. We need to eliminate the the tax on the medals and all those things that our athletes have to pay. You're it, kidding. The, the government will not address that issue. It should You're be kidding. a simple vote. They tax the most. They tax the the winning. So so um, uh, we're not talking about uh, dismiss Michael Phelps' you know, income from endorsement. Right. That's that a stuff. different deal. That's different. That's the unique income and Michael Phelps is one in even at the Olympic level he's one in right. Millions of people, right? He can generate a large sum from his personality as do like our NBA athletes and so forth. But the general winnings of um, athletes, we give them a little extra if they bring home a gold, silver, or bronze, Stabent, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a little piece. Plus the medal has a value. And we sure tax. Be. You're kidding. We tax that as income. To our <laughs> Olympic athletes, it's just a, such a simple thing to me. Rhonda Rousey, I remember talked about it when she came out of the Olympics, I, I believe. And I, I, she I, got I, a bronze, I think, right? Oh right. She in, had to pay. Two? Yeah, she had to pay taxes on that. And at the time, I believe she was literally living in a car. She couldn't afford to. Uh, to, something about that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem. I right. mean, no. you know, we've got. Uh, it's a little backwards. We got a lot of deficit Seems things, like something but, simple. I don't think the uh, the uh, exemption from that for our athletes would affect our budget uh, yeah. too incredibly much.
0: That maybe they could. Uh, maybe they could take that out of some campaign contributions from both parties or something. Yeah. Well, they that's call it.
1: They call it the victory tax. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
0: So when you win or when you die, you you get taxed nowadays. Interesting. Well, that's, uh, I have no idea. I'm glad you brought that up and very timely. We're in the middle of the Olympics right now. Absolutely. um, Well, that's cool, man. I mean, Athlete Network then is something that is now Kansas City born and bred. Absolutely. And if I remember right, you guys have a pretty good team built around it now Absolutely. how many folks are working i think currently
1: now? we have 12 people okay not everybody is in our office here there's some remote employees sure. um and we outsource our code but you know i'm glad you kind of brought that up because uh, kansas city has sort of had this i don't want to call it a renaissance but this excitement around tech right this mm-hmm. thing that says hey we want to you know, Google Fiber has come so here. Come yeah, yeah, exactly, and and we want to build that business and or have businesses built here in the tech sector, and I, I think that's important to really um, emphasize because it's our goal to build athlete network in Kansas City. That doesn't come without challenges because sure because as as exciting and as much energy as we do have surrounding tech in kansas city it's still a baby compared to you know the silicon valleys wow. and, and, so, and boston yeah. and some of the other tech centers of the world so the point is there are some challenges with it and and part of um part of my uh kind of mission as i move forward and have these experiences is to continue to kind of get the leaders in this city to understand that and if we want to keep those build businesses here and build those businesses here the community really needs to support that they really do
0: I've got to think that one of those challenges is has to be simply the pool of resources uh, of human resources talent you know if you Drive through the Bay Area, uh, down through Palo Alto, Sunnyvale, all that. Everything is centered there. I used to work in the medical device field, and every, almost every high tech medical device, uh, robotics, um, you know, imaging, anything remotely related to tech, has a base right there, basically next door to Apple and Google.
1: We don't quite have that here yet. No. I mean, one of the buzzwords, and most people know it now in tech, has been data science, right? Mm -hmm. Most people kind of heard about that now. But as maybe a year plus ago, very few people knew what data science was, (laughs) right? I I guess you could parse the words and figure out what was kind of meant there, but most people didn't really know. Uh, But if you walked into any Starbucks in the Valley... Like 12 people in line waiting for their latte were talking about data science. You know, so it's, it's not hard to find people there. It's expensive and it's illustrated by the fact that, you know, these large tech firms sometimes do wholesale company acquisitions. Simply to hire employees they call it aqua hire you know wow. they literally acquire a company for talent acquisition <laughs> uh, because they find that it's going to be a quicker and less expensive route than actually trying to steal well, away those employees let's not build a division let's just buy. let's one. just buy one yeah. right so it's Makes an interesting sense. but we but we have again we're getting more and more talented people we have a lot of creative people and there's a, you, you go around town and meet people there's a lot of very good energy. But that needs to stay. And there's another thing that needs to stay. And I read an article about this the other day, or it needs to get developed here. Um, we have an, an anathema to failure. And failure is a part of success. Absolutely. If you, and it, it, I read an article about Stanford, essentially, which is a hot spring of tech people and venture capitalists, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's where the bulk of them come from. And and one of the one of the things in the article was the I forget who it was even was, but said they teach you that failure is a good thing.
0: I wonder if some of that is a difference between um, more of a, a Midwest blue collar attitude. Without where, a doubt. Where you know, we all if, if we grew up in the Midwest, you understood that damn it, you're gonna get it done. Right. You're just gonna put your nose to the ground and say, gonna You're quit. gonna do it. I'm not gonna quit. Failure's not an option. And that to me is born of, you know, push the plow from sun right. up to sundown versus more of a West Coast attitude that is a little bit more free for all, right. a little bit more advanced in follow your passion or your dreams. And it might take you a while to find a path. Right. And it, it sounds a little hokey, but I think there's some big truth to that where it's, you know, we need to get rid of the stigma of, oh, you know, that business went under. Right. Let's have
1: a laugh, but let's
0: also learn some lessons from
1: it. Well, and, and also that business went under, so therefore the people involved with that business must not be any good. Oh, that, that's that's, a, that's not an appropriate assumption. No, that's not so, true. At all. So so that's what we need to get over here. I'm not no. I think a blend of the two are good, and obviously sure. there's capital preservation, and there's a lot of things you need to do to to uh, to make things practical and pragmatic, but the reality is we have to have a little bit of openness to say, you know, to get there with some of these things it takes iterations, it takes education, it takes yeah. evolution, it, and sometimes failure is the best education. So... On a personal level, have you
0: had things that you think you've learned from that maybe were oh, yeah, as, as out. far as businesses? Or without a out I, we talked about it actually <laughs> earlier. I, hey, I promise myself no sore spot. I, know. I no not
1: at all, not <laughs> all. I I I you know, and what we're talking about is the restaurant business specifically for me. Is I um I uh I like and I and thankfully. God willing, and it, my position in life, I've been kind of gifted with the ability to focus more on, um, at this point in the time, learning through what I try to do. Yeah, I, I'm not, sure. in other words, I'm very lucky. My family's very lucky from the standpoint. I'm not worried about my shelter and where right. I'm going to eat, right? And so I have the luxury to approach things maybe differently than some other people. Sure. And I think that everything's a learning experience. And we we did. I promised myself we would. I would never get in the restaurant business. Absolutely said so this is not a business that that I am interested in or would ever want to. Well, uh, I someone pitched us a restaurant concept and <laughs> I wrote a check. And, uh, and well, it I, was unique, kind of unique. It was a, te- it was called Mestizo, and we partnered with, uh, Food Network chef Ron Sanchez. And, you know, I could be remembering
0: it incorrectly, but it really, it's not like it was a bad place. No, I mean, no it no, got no, great no. reviews, and yeah. I,
1: you know, people liked well, people it. People really liked it. I think, um, I think maybe the footprint size was a little big. So, okay. again, you learn. And it's and, a tough uh, business, though. Isn't it? I mean, there's, oh, there's very Mike.
0: slim margins. I don't know much, if anything, about restaurants, but I've
1: come I've to understand Food it's is tough. hard. Food is hard. Alcohol is a little better, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> it makes it sense.
1: rounds kind of out the margin per Well, it probably doesn't. You don't have to
0: worry about uh, inventory management and spoilage the same way.
1: No, <laughs> but you have to worry about. Uh, uh, shrinkage, you know, uh, that's one yeah. of the things you definitely have to kind of manage within a restaurant. But the but the reality is, um, I learned a ton. I I probably to a fault when I invest in something, even if someone else is running it. I engage pretty heavily, dive in because I really want to know what's what the moving parts are because mm-hmm. i don't feel like i can sit in a a board meeting i don't think that i can really review a financial if i really don't understand what's behind all what the line lines. items are, really yeah, uh, and and why it's justified or not sure. and so uh i even went to the point and i think the the chefs were a little shocked i i uh i cooked an entire shift with those guys one night which uh, that is an amazingly difficult pretty job. cool experience uh, yeah it was great they were very good with me and kind of tolerated <laughs> me as a nuisance in the kitchen but by the end of the night i was cooking specials you know pretty snappy. <laughs> a lot of moving parts back there, oh right my so. god i don't know how they do it i That's don't know cool. how they do it so it's i mean I, I had been in years ago the service industry so i had mm-hmm. an appreciation in restaurants so i was a waiter uh in college and uh and I think on it, I've, I've, I've said this to a lot of people, I think that should be a job everybody should do. Yeah. Because it's, it's just, in a, in, it's, a, it's a, a learning experience from, from understanding people and behaviors and, and kind of managing tasks and efficiency and all those things. And uh, so I had sort of a little bit of that background. But being in that kitchen... I tell you, the fact that they can turn out food the way they turn out food gives you a whole new appreciation. And we had a moderately complicated menu with a lot of prep. Really? This, there was a lot of sauce prep and, and fresh ingredient prep and that kind of thing. So it was a bit of a challenge to manage that that kitchen. Huh. That so is, that very is cool. a
0: fascinating world. Yeah, it is. For sure. Different. It's very different than a lot of other businesses. Without a doubt. So, well, that's cool, man. Well, let me change gears a little bit. Uh-huh. Being here for 20-some years without doing the math in public, you've probably got your favorites. What what are some of your I guess, I like to call them hidden gems here in Kansas City, be it you know, businesses, you know, bar, restaurant, park, charities, whatever, stuff like that. What uh, What are your favorites that you think others it. it's funny, should a, know?
1: Uh, one thing, and I think a lot of people actually know about it. Let's tell you, you brought up restaurants. So I hadn't given it much thought, hidden gems, but a place I go all the time, and I don't know if you've been there, is Martin City Brewery. Martin City Brewery is a great little hidden gem down really? in Martin City. I, th- talk about being able to produce a lot of food their their kitchen is no bigger than the room we're sitting in and they churn out some food it is amazing and it's bar food but it's kind of a hybrid bar, like bar food. food it's not it's not fried they kind of have unique ingredients good stuff and uh, and uh, so I like it. They make their own beer in their own Excellent. brewery next door. They serve other people's beers, and then I, maybe it's two years ago, a year and a half ago, right across the street they open up a pizza parlor there too, and their pizza is great as well. Sounds so like I a good hit trip that. I love that little to the place. Southland. Great place to go. That's. Good I don't too. know if it's a hidden gem, but it's a great place. Yeah, you go. know,
0: for those of us from the northland, absolutely. You know, can't say so exactly you know out in the farms (laughs) absolutely and and for reference you said their kitchen's about this size we're we're like what eight by by, fourteen here about that's pretty tight
1: (laughs) they churn it out though it's shocking to me uh and then charity wise you know I give you a little nugget I I, um actually through my distribution company Kansas City Building Supply Mm -hmm. I was approached uh years ago now um, to help supply uh, some windows and doors and some materials for a home that was being built for an organization in a town called Boys Hope, Girls Hope. Okay. Um, Boys Hope, Girls Hope is an uh, organization uh, out of St. Louis, uh, but it has uh, uh, extension organizations throughout the country that um, provides basically a stable home for young men and women, although in Kansas City, we only have a boys' hope okay. currently right now. We don't have a girls' house, but the goal would be to have a girls' house. Still a developing organization. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, to, uh, to basically provide them a stable environment to live in and, and an otherwise academically capable individual. So someone who is a capable kid... Not necessarily um, a handicap or a a special needs type child, but uh, someone who has an otherwise academically capable ability and to house them in an environment that affords them the ability to focus on their academics and those things that are important. Um, They don't take custody of the kids. The custody is still the parents or caregiver or whoever uh, is the custodial, legal custodian. A guardian of the child but they come into our organization they go from uh, grade school if that's the age they come in all the way through graduation to high school and then we help facilitate their collegiate experience as well that's pretty neat um, and Rockhurst High School actually here in Kansas City provides scholarships Okay. To each and every one of the kids that we send there. So wow. at no cost to the organization, first High School supply, uh, provides uh, scholarships. So all our scholars, as we call them, uh, go there. So I got involved with helping to build their first house, right? And and uh, just on the periphery as a supplier, and then uh, the president at the time, uh, or actually executive director, asked me to come become a board member. Became a board member, went through that process, and eventually ended up as president of the organization for a period of time. Nice. And I handed off those reins. But it's a great organization, a very worthy organization. And uh, and there's now some you know when you start it was. Started shortly before I got engaged with the organization, so now it's getting more of a track record, and Mm -hmm. we're seeing kids now, actually, that have come through our program, graduating from college, and moving on, and getting employment, and so on and so forth. So the results are truly, that's when, you know those kind of multiple generational things sure. start happening and so it's a, it's a fantastic organization. That's neat. That's not one I
0: knew a lot about. So yeah. that's a great tip as well. Yep. I appreciate you sharing it. But well, hey, Jay, I sure appreciate you taking a lot of your day to do this and I I think we've we've covered some great stuff that people uh, people really enjoy learning about here uh, in town and I just thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Perfect. It's been thanks. tons of fun. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Have a great day. You too. again to Jay for being so open about what he's working on and even discussing some projects that didn't work out as I wrap the show it's really got me thinking what idea or dream do I have that I haven't done anything about how could that make a difference in my life or our city well how about you what can you take action on that you've dreamt about if you can answer that question do something just one little thing I've scheduled a meeting with someone who can help me explore the viability of an idea I've had for a long time. May go nowhere, but who knows? Find something of your own. It might be uncomfortable. You'll probably be nervous about putting it out there, but take one tiny action. Worry about the rest later. So thanks again for joining me today. If you are enjoying the shows, I would ask one little favor. Share us with a friend. You can always find links to the shows at CaseyGreats.com. Twitter, Facebook, or you can use your favorite podcasting app, of course. Just search for KC Greats on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, etc., etc. And of course, if you do have critiques, or more importantly, ideas for someone you think we should hear about, let me know. You can always send me an email at scott at See you next time.